<laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going to uh, be preaching from Psalm chapter 73. Psalm 73. Praise the Lord. Book of Psalms chapter 73. All right, verse 21. It says, Then I realized... And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You'll have to pardon me this morning. But a lot of it you may just want to listen because it's set, it brings out what I'm trying to bring out in this psalm. Okay, but it says, Then I realized my heart was bitter and I was all tore up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant I must have seemed like a senseless, senseless animal to you, God. Think about that. How many have ever felt that way? How many, you, how many have ever felt so bad about your behavior and the way you were thinking about life that you said to yourself, then I realized my heart was bitter. How many have ever got to that point you realized, man, how did I get bitter like this? How did, it, how did my heart turn bitter? And it says, I realized my heart was bitter. I was all tore up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, search the secrets of every heart, Lord. You said you would reveal those secrets, not to embarrass us, Lord, but to give us a better life. Right now, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would search and you would bless, Lord God, the hearts that are here. In your name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. title of my sermon is... Look, and if you're writing notes, I want you to write, look, and I want you to put two little eyeballs on the two O's, all right, just because I'm kind of silly like that, all right? Two little eyeballs, because this message is about looking. Look. My subtitle, From Bitter to Thankful, Look. Even if you're not taking notes, write that down and put two little eyeballs for me. All right? From bitter to thankful. This is a time of the year. This is the beginning of the Thanksgiving season. So this is the season that we celebrate being thankful. In fact, the the word that we use for this time of the year is what? Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. How many know that if your heart is bitter, it's really hard to be happy with the Thanksgiving? And I'm not talking about being happy about the turkey. I'm always generally pretty happy about the turkey and the (laughs) stuffing and the... (laughs) But I'm talking about being happy with life. And I'm talking about not being bitter, and I'm talking about not letting your heart really affect the way you live your life. And there are a lot of people that are walking around because their eyeballs are all messed up, and what they're looking at is all messed up, and they can't be happy. They can't be thankful, they can't be grateful, they can't have thanksgiving, and they sure can't have a happy one. Because when the time that, by the time the turkey's done, all the happiness is gone. And they're looking around and they don't like their family, they don't like their life, they don't like their job, they don't like anything that's around them, and they're certainly not thankful. 
You're like, Pastor, let's talk about food again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So this psalm is all about where you're looking. So if I say to you, what do I have to be thankful for? Pastor, explain to me what I have to be thankful for. If I ask you today, what are you thankful for? Don't think about it. Where do your eyeballs go? Well, I'm thankful for my house. Thankful for my kids. Thankful that I have money in my wallet. Thankful for all these things that are around me. My eyeballs are linear. You know what linear means? Flat. Like there's a whole world around me. And all I see is linearly. All I see is present. All I see is temporary. All I see is what's around me. I don't see anything that's before me. I don't see anything that's after me. All I see is, all I got thankful be is what I have. And I don't like my car. Job's not that great. It's not what I would have picked. My co-workers aren't that great. Not what I would have picked. Family's not even that great. When you get right down to it. And you see what happens, something, because of our eyeballs, something starts to make us get bitter and we don't even realize it. Because we're not thankful. We're not grateful. We are, our thankfulness is on a plane. It's on a plane that will never really truly make us happy inside. And what God's trying to tell us is, This gratefulness, this thankfulness that we should be having, this joy that is in our heart, should be a lot bigger than what we think it is. And if you're thinking like I'm talking about right now, and you're a Christian, you're thinking like the world. And you're going to act like the world, and your heart's going to be like the world, and you're going to have a bitterness like the world, and the world's going to look to you for something different, and you're going to look the same. And God doesn't want... Us to look the same as the world. God wants us to have something different. God wants us to have something real. In fact, I think Christians, when they really get a hold of this, man, they could have the worst day in the world, and man, they're still full of the joy of the Lord. Because they know something that other people don't know. It's not based on my circumstances. It's not based on what's around me. It's not based on my job. It's not based on my house. There's some people in the world right now, get this, and this is going to, some of you might faint. Just make sure the person next to you doesn't. There are Christians in third world countries right now that are more thankful than anybody in this room. They're so full of the joy of the Lord and they're so thankful for what they have in God that they're just happy. And if we could somehow, if they could somehow package that, and export that to the United States, it would change our country. Because we're an ungrateful society in so many ways. So we're going to look at this psalm. And this psalm breaks down into five really good sections, and they're all looking at different places. And so we've got to identify which place am I looking at, where are my eyeballs at. And this psalm's going to help us. This is written by a man by the name of Asaph. 
And Asaph, uh, he wrote uh, Psalm 73 through 83, and one other one, Psalm 50. So he wrote those 10, 73 to 83, and he also wrote Psalm 50. But he was the director of music. He was the music director for David, okay? He was uh, the worship leader. But if you think the guy just sang songs and played music, then you got this guy all wrong. Because it says in... uh, It says in 2 Chronicles 29.30, years after he was gone, and King Hezekiah was on the throne, and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with psalms that were written by David and by Asaph the seer, a prophet. So they offered the joyous praise and, and bowed down to God in worship. He was more than just a singer. He was a seer. He was a prophet. This is a prophetic word from Asaph to your heart. And if you'll receive it, you'll digest it, you'll consume it, it'll be better than Thanksgiving turkey. You say, man, I don't know. Better than that stuffing, you know, that not that dry stuff, you know, the kind of a little bit moist. That's a bad word, right? I'm not supposed to say moist. But I like my stuffing like that, moist. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But if you'll consume this, if you'll take the word of the Lord and apply it to your heart and change your eyeballs, you'll be a grateful person. If you can be a grateful person, you'll have a happy Thanksgiving and you'll have a happy life. If you can't consume it, you'll be miserable. You'll be sad. The turkey will be good, but then once the turkey's gone, so's the joy. <laughs> First part, he starts off with a fact. Verse 1, it says, Truly God is good to Israel. Remember, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Truly God is good to Israel and to those whose hearts are pure. Statement of fact. He said, man, what a simple fact that he just stated there. All of us can agree with that. All of us can agree, right, that God is good to Israel Man, you just look at what God did for that nation, okay? He's good to them, and he's also good to those who are pure in heart, those whose hearts are pure. But here's the problem. That statement of fact begins to be assaulted by Satan in this man's mind. So you've got to put your name in there. All right? I want you to read this and put your name in there. I'm going to put my name in there just to help you out. Truly, God is good to Chad. Say that. Truly, God is good to... What's your name? Say your name. Truly, God is good to... Say your name. There we go. Now, we got to believe that. How many know it's hard to believe God is good to us? There are times we feel like it, like when we get our way... Like, you ever been a child to get your way and you're like, man, God is good to me. My parents are good to me. But then when they do something to make you a better person, then you're like, you sit in the corner and you're crying and you're like, you got one of those going where, they don't like me. They hate me. They don't like me. And that's what we do. 
when God, you know, God is t- allowing you to go through something to make you what he needs you to be, then we forget that he's good to us. And it says, to those whose hearts are pure, God is good to them. Well, this man, the first part of this is verse 1, or I'm sorry, verses um, 3 through 12. And this is where the little eyeballs on the look, these eyeballs start looking around. First, they're looking back, okay? God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure, but as for me, I've lost my footing. My feet are slipping, and I am almost gone. See this man? The fact is presented that God is good to you, and now what's happened to him? He's lost his footing. Whatever he believed about God being good to him, God has been good to him. God wants to be good to him. God is a good God all the time. Whatever happened to this man, he lost it. He lost his footing. He's slipping. He's sliding. He has nothing to stand on. He has no foundation. But this is a man of God. This is his worship director. This is David's worship director, a prophet. But he's struggling with his faith because at that moment, he's not getting his way. But God's still good. His eyeballs, have, have something's happened to him. He's forgotten that God is good. Now, how many have ever been in that place in your life where you don't think God is good and the enemy has convinced you that he is not good? Every bad thing in this world, God did it. Right? How many have ever heard that from the enemy? And some of you are lying to me this morning. Or you refuse to raise your hand. Okay, don't lie to me. How many of the the enemy has convinced you at some point in your life that God is a bad God and he's blamed the bad things of this world on God and then not on who they should be, which is sin and the enemy. God is a good God and we mess it all up. And so God is trying to bless his people in a world that is opposed to God and away from God and rebellious against God. But we blame the bad stuff on God. And God's the one the whole time saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. The Holy Spirit's constantly saying, don't do it, don't do it. They do it and you say, God, why did you let them do it? God's fault. And God said, no, I'm a good God. Don't forget that. But this guy's feet were slipping. Something happened. Man, God, this happened to my son or my daughter or this happened to this person or that person. And his foot was slipping. He was forgetting that God is good. Okay? And here's where his eyeballs start looking around. Here's what made him slip. I envied the proud. I saw them. Who's them? The proud. These are not just proud people. These are rebellious people who are against God. He looked around and he started seeing them. Sometimes don't you wish God would put blinders like you do on a racehorse? Where that racehorse has goals and the goals are finish line. And so you put the blinders on so they can only see what their purpose is. And that's what we need as Christians. Because we'll start looking around. How many have ever looked around? Don't lie to me again. I'm watching. David, are we getting a count on this? All right. Don't lie to me. How many of you have looked around? Praise the Lord. 
And it says, I saw, I envied the proud, I saw the people prosper despite their wickedness. Ever seen that? They seem to live such painless lives. Just listen to me, don't follow along because I'm in the New Living Translation. They seem to live such painless lives. Doesn't it hurt your heart when it looks like their lives are painless and I'm struggling and I've given everything for God? How many feel like this guy is uh, really real? Okay, this is the worship leader, a great man of God, but he's being real. And the Holy Spirit wants us to understand we're not the only one. But his eyeballs, do you see they're out of whack? You'll start to see it. Okay. They live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. Now, is this true? Some are healthy. Some had to be not healthy. Not every person that was wicked was strong and healthy and prosperous, right? So is he being lied to? He's looking around and it's allowing him to be deceived and lied to. Some are healthy, some are just are more unhealthy than him, right? You understand the enemy is trying to lie to you? You understand the enemy is trying to get your focus off God so he can begin to lie to you about God? The enemy will curse God. The enemy wants you to hate God. The enemy wants you to walk away from God. The enemy wants you to throw your faith away. And this is what happens. You begin to look around in your own wisdom and you begin to, and he begins to tell you lies. Well, look, so and so has a nicer car than you. What do you have to be thankful for? How many have been there? So and so has a nicer house, but look at you. So and so has a better job. He's your boss. He don't care about God. Look at you. And you begin to start formulating in your mind, just like him. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. Is that true? No. It's not true. Some have trouble. Some don't. Some hide it really well. In fact, I'll tell you this, some have a lot of troubles. In fact, you'll flip on the TV and you'll say, man, they seem to live such painless lives in Hollywood. They seem to have no troubles. Do you understand Hollywood is a miserable place? It's a miserable, well, they look so glamorous. But man, you wipe that glamour off and it's a miserable town. In fact, there might not be a more, I will say there might not be a more unhappy town than that town. More unhappy lives than that town. They're drowning themselves in alcohol and drugs. They're drowning themselves and and they're so unhappy. And what we're talking about today is getting joy from the Lord, real happiness. Not fake happiness, not happiness that looks good when everybody's watching, but then when you go to your bedroom and you shut the door, you're really not happy. How many know that happens? And that's what we're talking about. When you close the door at night, are you really happy or are you just smiling because everybody is looking? We're talking about real happiness. So he's looking around still. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride around their neck like a jewel. Ever seen that? You ever seen like during this campaign all the Hollywood people that came out? And you could just see the anger against God in their faces. Anybody that believes that God should have a part of this nation, you could just see it in their faces. 
And they wear that pride like a jewel around the neck. This guy's speaking the truth. All right? And if you want real truth and you want to eat a real meal for Thanksgiving, forget the physical. That's the meal right there. This is a feast. It says, they clothe themselves with cruelty. I like this translation of verse 7. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and they speak only of evil. In their pride they seek to crush other people. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed. And In fact, let's stop there. Do you, do you see this attitude? This is how he stumbled. This is how some of you will stumble if you don't get your eyes away from what's around you. And again, let me go back to what do you have to be thankful for in that linear scale that you were looking at? If all you have to be thankful for is houses and kids and cars and jobs, you're on the same plane as these people right here. And you're real susceptible to falling in your faith. You're susceptible to slipping off the path that God has called you. You're very susceptible to not be strong in the Lord, but to be bitter. Am I telling the truth? Praise the Lord. You don't have to encourage me. I'll still do it. And look what happens to the people around them. People around them are dismayed and confused. Drinking in all their words, what does God know, they ask. See what the people around them are asking? They're questioning God, saying, what does God know? These people are doing great, so God's blessing must not mean anything. Right? They're being deceived. All the people around are being deceived, and he goes on. They're dismayed and confused, the people are. They drink in all the words of these people. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening here? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing, he says. This is the section, verses 3 to 12, where he's looking around. So first it's looking back. He's stating some facts about how God is good to him and those who love him. Now he's saying, look around. Eyeballs are all over the place, looking all around linearly and saying, man, they've got it good. And then he stops and he says, why do I even try? How many have ever done that? And see, this is where your life has been for a long time, some of you. Some of you haven't got out of this yet. Your eyeballs are still looking around. And you put all your joy and all your eggs in this basket that if I'm blessed temporarily on this linear line and I've got something better than somebody else, then God must be good. But if I don't, then God must not be good. I mean, no, that's true. And some of you can't get out of there. Some of you are stuck right there and you can't get past it. And every time you start to do well, you start to think a little bit. You start to do well, your mind starts to get intellectual again. You start to look around, you start to say, I'm going to get all that's mine because they're getting what's theirs. And you throw God away. And God's saying, no, 
There's a higher plane. If you ever want to be thankful, you got to get off that plane. And you're on that same linear scale and you can't get past it. Because all you do is look around at other people. But fortunately, this is a prophet speaking. He's going to prophesy to your heart today. You can consume it or you can leave it on the table. But his eyeballs now start looking within. Now remember the teaching you just had. He's looking around. Now if I start looking around and I start saying that the wicked are more blessed than the righteous, and I start saying that God is not good, and I start saying things like, why do I even try to be a Christian? Then i got to start looking inside and seeing what that's doing to me, right? What is that doing to my heart? Because I don't believe the truth. You call it what you will, but it's not believing the truth. It's not building your life on a foundation that will last. It's building your life on lies. And he starts looking within. Eyeballs start looking inside. Verses 13 to 15 is when he starts looking from within. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. How many ever feel like this in life? You guys are lying to me again. Come on, be honest. How many ever got up in the morning is all I do is have pain. All I do is work day after day. And that's the enemy. The enemy is trying to, it's tearing your insides up because something faith-wise isn't right. And so he says all day long it's Pain. If I had really spoken this way to other people, I would have been a traitor to my people. What does that mean? If I really told people what I really think about life, they would have said, you're not even a Christian. That's what he's saying. If I would have told my people what was in my heart, they would have said I was a traitor to my people. Why? Because his people believe the word of God and says that God is good. And he didn't believe God was good. And his life demonstrated to the world that God is not good because he got up every morning and said, it's just pain. And he walked to work and said, it's just pain. Life is just pain. Life is miserable. And he wasn't a light to anybody. And it was all because of what he believed about what was around him. No thankfulness in his heart. No gratefulness to God. No even being able to see that living for God is better. You say, man, what a depressing message. What a depressing life. Because this is where God wants us to get out of. I hope this is more positive as I go along here. I really do, because I hate to send you home like this. Praise the Lord. So the next thing he does, the fourth looking, verse 16 This is called looking up. Up. How do I know he's looking up? Because he's sitting in the presence of God. It says, so I tried to understand. Now see, he didn't just live his whole life like this. He says, now I want to understand what's going on here. How many have ever wanted that? I'm messed up here. I'm depressed all the time. I feel like all the time I'm depressed, so I need to figure out what's going on here. Rather than just living with it. He's a godly man. He went to God. He said, so, I tried to understand why they prosper 
But what a difficult task that is. Is that an understatement? There are a lot of depressed people that are living right up to this point. And what a difficult task it is, he said, to figure out why they prosper. And he says, Then I went into the sanctuary of God. I looked up uh, several different versions of that. Some say holy place. Some say God's presence. I went into God's sanctuary. I went to the place where God sits. And he began to ask God, what's going on here with me? You see, he looked up. Looked up. And he said, then I went into the sanctuary and then I understood the destiny. Destiny of the wicked. You know, your eyeballs have deceived you. You were looking around the wicked and saying how lucky, how lucky, how lucky the wicked are. When your eyeballs should have been saying, should have been like Jesus when he cried over Jerusalem. And you look at the wicked and what you should see is how miserable the wicked are. How sad the wicked are because he said, I walked into the sanctuary of God and I could see their end. I could see their end. Remember the wicked were saying, does God even watch? Does God even notice? Does God even care? God's watching. God's taking notes. The Bible says he's taking notes. He's writing books. He's giving an accounting of every good and bad deed. And when he was in the presence of God, he began to understand that, yeah, our behavior just means everything. You say, well, God's going to hold me accountable for the cruelty that I did to other people. He is. God's going to hold me accountable for rejecting him. God's going to hold me accountable for rebelling against him. All these things. He sat in the sanctuary of God and it became crystal clear that, oh my goodness, the wicked are in trouble. And and compassion began to fill this man's heart. He began to realize that, man, they're in trouble. How many have ever gotten God's presence and he turned this thing around? He turned this thing with uh, bitterness and he began to turn it around and something else began to happen. God began to fill you with gratefulness. And you begin to say, man, I am like the luckiest person in the world. You say, why is that person in third world country, why are they so happy? Because they have Jesus Christ. And right now, if you ask me, if you take my house, you take everything that I have, give me Jesus. If that's all I have as a Christian, man, I'm happy. That's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I have. It's the greatest thing in my life is that if you take everything away and I've got that, man, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Let's say you have somebody in a hospital and they're dying and they're terminal, but they know Jesus and everybody in that room is healthy taking care of them and they don't know Jesus. Who's the lucky one? Oh, man, I'll take eternity over this place. We got to expand our boundaries. This life is like a vapor. Do you know how fast this life goes? You know how quickly before it's over? And we're living all of our life being grateful for what's in this tiny little strip of time. And that's what we're going to be thankful for. That's what we're going to throw in God's face. This tiny strip of time. And God has made all of eternity for you. He died for you. He did all these things. Your past, your present, your future. And you're upset because you don't like your car. You're upset because you don't like your job. And there are people dying out there. They have no hope for the future. They're depressed. 
And, and they're, they're dying. They don't have much time left. And we're jealous of them. That's a problem. That's a problem. The unthankfulness of God's people is a problem because that's not faith. That's not what this Bible teaches. And this man was slipping. He was, he was backsliding because his eyeballs weren't right and he began to look up. Went to the sanctuary of God and I finally understood their destiny, the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path. Well, hold on. I thought he was on the slippery path. Now the wicked are on the slippery path and he's not anymore. He's on the solid path. See, God wants to take your bitterness and he wants to put you on solid ground and he wants to help the ones who are on the slippery path. But when I'm on the slippery path, how can I help the ones who are slipping? That's the problem. God's people are on a slippery path of doubt and God wants to put us on solid ground. It says, Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over a cliff to destruction. Do you see what he's seeing in God's presence? You say, well, that's not that big of a deal, but let me tell you something. That's some of your moms, that's some of your dads, some of your brothers, some of your sisters, some of your neighbors. That's a wide path of destruction. He's in God's presence and he sees it. He sees them on a path of destruction, a cliff they're falling over. And he goes on and he says, In an instant they were destroyed. They were completely swept away by terror. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas, as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside, and I was foolish and arrogant, and I probably seemed like a senseless animal to you, God. Do you see what the condition of his heart became? Bitter. He came to his senses. He began to realize, he began to apologize to God. God, how can I be so ungrateful? God, how can I think about you like this, God? We need this church. We need this meal of thankfulness here. Because God's done amazing things. If all God ever gave me was his salvation, I'd be happy. But you know, God keeps blessing me. And blessing me and blessing me. You mean your car's better than everybody else's? When are you going to quit thinking like that? You mean your house is better than everybody else's house? You mean... What, what's God have to do to get us off of that worldly thinking? What God, what's God have to do to make us think like eternal people? We don't think ahead, do we? He goes on and he says, <clears throat> In fact, uh, let me go back here. He looked back, he looked around, he looked within, he looked up, right? And the last one was he looked ahead. My translation says destiny. He knows the destiny of the wicked. How many of you have a destiny? What is a destiny? It's a destination. What is your destination? 
My destination's heaven, and every day I'm moving toward it. Some of you, your destination is a bigger house. Some of you, your destination is so short-sighted, how could you ever have eternal life? Every decision you make is based on some stupid thing that's in front of you. Well, I want to retire, Chad. Well, then what are you going to do? That's it. That's your big plan. That's your big destiny. I want to retire with lots of money. Well, good luck enjoying your next 20 to 30 years without eternity. I'm just being real. Some people want a pastor that will say things that make them feel good, okay? I'll make you feel good, but get saved first. All right? Because your plans and your destination just aren't that big. I feel sorry for you. Because you're planning on your vacation next year and you might not even get to that vacation. Or you might get to that vacation and you're miserable for a week and you threw your money away. I'm just saying you have to have a bigger destiny. And that destiny has to be, oh, I don't know, the thing you were created for. Eternity with God. And if that's your destiny to be with God, then you'll act like it. You'll live like it. You'll anticipate like it. You'll be thankful for it. You'll be excited. Oh, what's God doing? He's just building a mansion for me in eternity. I'm kind of excited. I get to live forever. No sickness, no death, no tears, no crying, no depression, no more drug addictions. None of these things will be there. It'll be the world that God intended. So I do have a little bit of a destiny. Oh, you're going to retire in 10 years. Okay. Pretty good destination. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan for retirement. Enjoy the best you can here. But if this is the best it gets, you're going to be depressed. Right? You understand what I'm saying? If this world is all you have, you're linear. If the whole eternity is what you have, then all of a sudden it just got big. All right? It's depressing if all you have is this. And that's why people are depressed because they don't have eternity. I'm waiting to get out of here. All right? I'm not in a hurry because I want to help as many of those wicked as I can. As many of those that I love that aren't right with God, I want to help them as much as I can, but I want to get out of here. I'm looking forward to the day when I'm present with Christ, absent from my body. You say, but Pastor, you have such an awesome body. (laughs) Don't laugh. Don't laugh so hard. (laughs) But it's going to be amazingly more awesome. (laughs) with my glorified body. When I get in heaven, man, that glorified body, my wife's not laughing. She knew that was a factual statement that I made. (laughs) But this guy had a destiny. He began to realize his destiny is why he was no longer bitter. He wasn't bitter anymore. My brother's still laughing. I know what he's thinking. I had a white shirt on last night at a basketball game. And, he, and, and I found out he kept calling me the Pillsbury Doughboy. So I can't wear white anymore, so I'm going to stick with the black. All right? That's all right. Now, his name is Joey. And when, when he was a kid, I used to push his belly and he would giggle like the Doughboy. So you've got that on you. We called him the Joe Boy. <clears throat> Ryan, you're going to edit that out, right? Okay. (laughs) So the last thing he did, he looked up and then he looked ahead. Verse 23, it says, Yet I still belong to you, 
You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. You lead me to a glorious destiny. Whom I have, whom have I in heaven but you? Listen to this. I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish. You destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that he does. How did he start depressed and bitter and end up with that? Think about what he was just saying. He was looking ahead. All right? He had no ability to look to his future until he got in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, his eyeballs are focused now in one place. That's that prize we talk about. That prize that we talk about. The reward in heaven. And I'm telling you today, you'll never have a grateful or a thankful heart until you get your eyeballs on eternity. And as long as your eyeballs are looking around, as long as they're looking here, as long as they're looking everywhere, you're not going to find what's going to satisfy your soul. But if you're looking ahead, you'll be happy all the days of your life. He said, even if, when my health fails. I like a guy that's real in the Bible. Even when my health, if my health may fail, my spirit grows weak. How many have ever been weak? God remains the strength of my heart. See the strength of your heart when your strength grows weak? I love, this is the line I like. Where's it at here? Can't find that line. I desire you more than anything on earth. Boy, this guy changed over the course of this psalm. It's really awesome. Worship team, you can come. Praise the Lord. From bitter to thankful. Bitter to thankful. I hope you figure out where you're at on this scale. I hope you're not bitter at life. I hope he's the strength of your heart. Praise the Lord. If you'd stand with me this morning. Somebody turn the lights down. We used to look at that 12 o'clock. Is the Lord good? Praise the Lord. 12 o'clock. That's a miracle. An awesome miracle. Praise the Lord. Lord's good, isn't he? We can't forget that. Praise the Lord. I just want to take a few moments here. We're going to focus ourselves on the goodness of God. We're just going to tell him how good he is. Let our heart be full of thankfulness so we can walk all during the week with that thankfulness and that joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. And if we don't have that strength, how are we going to make it? And so, man, if you're here, if you're here today and you've never given your heart to the Lord, you don't know that strength. All you know is a linear light. Today is the day for you to give your life to the Lord. If that's you today, I just want you to find a place up here. I'm not going to take waste my time with raising hands. All right, you're not serious about it if I have to see your hand raised, okay? If you're serious about it and you've never given your heart to the Lord, there's a place right up here at the altar. I'll pray with you. I'll be more than thrilled to lead you to the Lord. 
Maybe if you've been away from the Lord, find a place up here. He just wants you to talk to Him. He wants you to go to that place the psalmist went to. The presence of the Lord. Just lay it all before the Lord. He wants to talk to you about it. He wants to give you counsel when you're depressed. Let me know that. So I thought that was all my friends. No, God wants to show you, just like He did with this man, how you don't have to be depressed. How you have a future. Your future is so bright, I always say, we need sunglasses. You say, well, I'm sick. I'm dying. Man, you're closer than I am. I'm not, I don't mean to be insensitive, but you're closer than I am. I want to be in the presence of the Lord. I want my whole family to be in the presence of the Lord. I want everybody in this church in the presence of the Lord. We got to take off that linear thinking. We got to start thinking about that. We got to start thinking about something better than this world. We can't keep our minds and our hearts and our eyeballs in this world. We got to start looking up. We got to start looking past retirement. You say, past retirement? That's heresy. I'm looking beyond retirement. It's only going to last a few millions of years and we'll just be started. All right? He's already planned for it. He's already given you riches to cover you for the rest of your eternal retirement. So praise Him. You don't need a 401k in eternity. It's the riches of His glory, the Bible says. So get excited. Get excited and worship Him. Put your eyeballs on Him. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue to pray up here, but I'm going to go on and say a word of dismissal here, and, and, and but we're going to keep praying. So if you need prayer for anything, don't leave here. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, this could be your last day. Let me know that. Every time you're in the house of the Lord, it could be your last day to get right with God. For eternity, that would be a terrible mistake if we abandoned God. You see the scripture we read today, those who abandoned me, there's no salvation reject me. If you need prayer for anything, you've never given your heart to the Lord, I want to lead you to the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to be here praying, okay? Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people, Lord God. Lord, that they would never forget how good you are, Lord. Oh, Lord, that their eyes would be fixed upon you, Lord God. That their eyes, Lord God, would be fixed upon the prize and the reward of heaven, Lord. Oh, that they wouldn't look around, that they would be blessed, Lord God. They wouldn't slip, that they would be firm, Lord. Bless them today, Lord, in your name I pray. Everybody said, Amen. Don't forget about the shower at 2 o'clock if you're able to make it. 